This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back to the Now News panel on AMI. I'm Alex Smyce. I'm joined by Juwita Gupta and Mike Ross. Let's address our next topic. Indigenous Services Minister Patty Haju had tabled legislation to improve water quality in First Nations communities. The bill applies to source water, drinking water, wastewater, and infrastructure. The bill would also create a new First Nations-led water commission. Kawasa's First Nation Chief, Erica Bowden, sees this policy as progress. It is a start, a beautiful start for all of us to work together with the covenant of treaty, our inherent rights as Indigenous people and all people who inhabit these lands to work together for the clean, cleanest, the safest water that all of us could drink. And Minister Haidu discusses how this policy could transform decision-making. The bureaucracy itself um, is designed around control and that if we truly want to uh, work with First Nations to co-develop or to approach co-development, that we have to challenge all of our assumptions as ministers, as civil servants, as bureaucracy, about the secrecy of development, about how we share information, how we share draft legislation, and how we do so in a way that respects parliamentary privilege. So, Joina, I'm going to start with you on this one, because this government has been in power for over eight years now, and this was something that has been talked about throughout their uh, administration. So how does the delay of the work to finally get to this point influence how you receive the news that they're put, uh, putting forth this bill? Well, I do receive it with a degree of skepticism, precisely because it has taken so long. It's worth remembering that we've gotten to this place as a result of a lawsuit in 2013. And so it's not just this government, but its predecessor that failed to take action in a timely fashion. Meanwhile, we've got First Nations communities with boiled water advisories, some of them going back as far as 28 years of not having portable water in people's homes. So it's a shocking situation. And what also adds to my deep sense of dissatisfaction is that while everything sounds really good on paper, let's have a water commission and we'll have plans to share water resources and we'll make sure funding is equitable with non-Indigenous communities. Uh, and, oh, of course, we want to co-develop. That means we want to consult with Indigenous people. We have, I mean, all of that sounds great on paper, but we have, as far as I can tell, very little information about what any of that is actually going to look like. And so you do have even there a clamor of discontent from many Indigenous communities who say, hang on a second, we didn't even know this was coming. So this is just more of the same, a colonial practice, which is high-handed, which isn't actually taking us into consideration. And yet you've got others, as you heard in the clip off the top there, where they're saying this is a good step forward. So you don't really have unanimity. Uh, and yes, it will require some degree of not just, you know, high-level negotiation at the level of the federal government, for example, and uh, you know, national First Nations communities, it will require grassroots engagement, community level engagement, but with very little information about what that's actually going to look like. I can't really say 
that I'm overly exuberant about it at this point in time, bearing, of course, in mind that I'm not Indigenous, and frankly, none of us are. But it has been eight years in the coming, and some would argue it's taken quite a bit longer than that, because, you know, this is something we've been talking about for decades, the fact that Indigenous communities don't have clean drinking water. Infrastructure is a huge problem, just don't have the capacity to treat water adequately either. Absolutely. And, and you laid out, it's the lack of tangibility, the lack of real policy changes that have been released so far that can really point to, okay, this is what it, this plan, this program, uh, this bill is actually going to look like once it's being like put into place. Mike, what about you? Like, how does like the delays and, and kind of some of the points that Juwiti had pointed out kind of damper your, your thoughts on what the potential of this bill could mean? Well, let me start by asking Julia. Julia, are you saying that there are still uh, boil water advisories happening in Canada? Because you know there. Huh? I remember Justin. <laughs> I remember Justin Trudeau saying that those were going to be done in five years. Yeah, that, well. that was supposed to be ancient history by now. No, Julia is absolutely right. When I listened to that clip, Alex, that you just played of Minister Hyde speaking, all I heard was, and and I'm, I'm going into my uh, Charlie Brown peanuts days was Charlie Brown's teacher. Wonk, 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 wonk. <laughs> buzzword after buzzword, bureaucracy, respect, uh, you know, parliamentary privilege. To the average Canadian out there, what does that clip even mean? I promise you, you can play that clip again right now, and you will not be able to tell me what that means, as you said, Alex, tangibly. what mm -hmm. What is actually being said there? Nothing. And what has actually been done, even in the eight years that this government's been in power? Very little. I'm not saying they've done nothing, but they've done very little. They certainly haven't met their promises from 2015. So, again, Mike Ross, skeptic, wearing the hat. Uh, it's a little tighter on this one because I'm just so frustrated that after the government campaigned heavily on this and sold this as a priority, and has for eight years that once again, it just feels like we're back at the starting blocks again and preparing for another marathon. And, and I just wonder, are we ever going to see the finish line on this, you know, in our lifetimes? Because it certainly feels like it's just a can that gets kicked down the road time and time again. Yeah, and and uh, to uh, clarify a point you you made, Mike, uh, the government has uh, worked to remove uh, boil water advisories. I think over 150 some odd uh, uh, indigenous communities and remote communities, but there are still dozens that have boil water advisories in place. So, despite the fact that they've been working on this for for years, they have tackled some of the issues in some of these communities, but not all of them. They're still in place. I I wonder for you, Joita, it's like is the what kind of surprised me as i started looking into this as well and you you kind of touched on it it's like there this wasn't spurred into action just uh, on on a whim like there were there were many steps mm -hmm. and the fact that there was a a pc uh, initiated uh, bill from the harper government on uh, water uh, policy and yet it it was vastly uh, ineffective so do you think that because of these issues we've laid out that we've talked about there's a that's kind of the reason why more people aren't really talking about this bill or policy because we just have so little faith that the tangible change is actually going to come as a result of this. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the reason why people aren't talking about it. I think the 
reason people aren't talking about it is because we um, have a lot else to talk about, for one thing, mm -hmm. in, in a charitable view of the situation. I mean, there was a global pandemic, which I think sucked up a lot of the oxygen. Uh, but I think if you were to ask some contenders, uh, scholars and activists within the indigenous communities, they would just turn around and call a spade a spade and say that it's just not been a political priority. It's one thing to say something is a political priority. It's another thing they would argue that uh, you make it a political priority by adequately funding it and meeting your targets. Uh, and whether it's because of a failure in bureaucracy to actually get the thing done, which is what we talked about in our earlier segment, or if there's something a little more insidious going on there, um, given the the nature of our relationship with many indigenous communities, it's hard for me to say, and I don't want to venture into speculation, but mm -hmm. there's probably a plethora of reasons why people aren't talking about this, but I will push back slightly. And I would say, Alex, that the reason we've achieved so little progress is probably the least likely, likely reason why this has not been more top of mind in terms of political chatter or public discourse for that matter. Fair enough. And and so, Mike, I'm going to give you last word on this topic. Well, just speaking to what Joey was just talking about, I think in, in way too many instances for some Canadians, um, you know, they think of Indigenous communities through a lens of, of tropes and through a lens of stereotypes. And it's easy to dismiss um, indigenous communities for some. It's it's easy to dismiss the vulnerable, right? When you wake up every morning and turn on that tap and you have water that you can drink right from that tap, you can jump in your shower, you can cook with that water, you're not impacted. You don't live it. You don't experience mm -hmm. it. And when the government consistently just keeps kicking that can down the road, why would it be a, a, a really hot button topic for me, one that I'm interested in, if I see that the government isn't actually making it a an absolute top priority? And that's why, Alex, when when you know you pointed out, and rightfully so, as I said, the government, I wasn't saying the government hasn't done anything on things mm -hmm. like the boil water advisory, but it is clear that they promised to have them all done and they yeah. campaigned hard on that. And they did not deliver. I'm glad they haven't abandoned it. But if they can't deliver and and and, and they don't deliver, then why would why would some Canadian why why should we be surprised that some Canadians don't have that top of mind uh, as something that that they're going to be concerned about? Because it's not necessarily things that the government's been able to deliver on, as Juita said, for decades. Absolutely. Thank you both for, for uh, touching on this topic with me. Uh, that's We will move on to our final topic after the break, because coming up, the UN Climate Summit saw an agreement between 200 countries to transition away from fossil fuels. But how did this deal change your perception around the summit overall? We'll get into it after the break. You're watching now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Hey, 
Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.